Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Morning, church. How are you? Been a hot minute since I've been with you all, and so this is uh, fun for me. Uh, I do want to do something before we get into it and uh, actually get going this morning. Uh, Tim and I uh, sent out a message this morning and was asking me what I thought about this, and uh, I do think we need to address uh, something as we try to do when events like this um, just keep happening. There's tragedies this week in Ohio and El Paso, and um, the more I, the more I read about this and, and thought about this, um, uh, the angrier I became, and um, the more anger I read about from people, and the angrier I became um, at the devil. You see, I think it's so quick, we're, we're so quick to toss anger at, at people, and um, I was reminded this week that my anger is at the devil, as he has deceived us, that he has deceived people, that he stirs up racism and animosity and creates bigots and creates anger towards people and um, I want us to make sure we're putting our anger at that this world is broken right that this was not the plan and um, continue as we pray as scripture says if my people will humble themselves and pray turn from their wicked ways then I will hear them and heal their land isn't that our prayer church that God would see a people that are willing to turn from our wicked ways. We don't want to be more angry at people. All it's going to do is create more angry people, right? Our anger is that the devil has deceived people and that his plan is all throughout our city, our country, and our world. And um, we pray for revival that starts from within, that we would, God would hear our cry and that he would heal our land. Could we just pray right now for um, our, our world and... Um, with great hope that we've read the end of the book, right? Um, spoiler alert, we win. We win. He will make all things new again. Lord Jesus, we come before you now. And we lift up communities in El Paso and Ohio, Lord, that you would just move in ways you've never moved before. God, we pray for our country, for all of the horrible things that don't make the news every day. Lord, we pray for those too. Yeah, we put our anger where it belongs, that, that the devil has deceived people, that his schemes, that devil is a schemer, and that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the arrows and the schemes of the evil one. God, may we remember that. May we be directed toward that, and may we be more motivated than ever than to carry out your message that is a message of redemption, grace, hope, and love. Jesus, may that reign supreme in us. God, I pray that we walk out of this room a little bit differently in the way we walked in. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We believe in a great, great, big God who's capable of great, big things. Do you believe that, church? Yeah, that's what we're going to settle and talk about a little bit this morning. But it is summertime, and it's good to see you. There's a lot of you are back. A lot of faces have been gone all summer. It's very good to see you. I hope you've had a wonderful, wonderful summer. Have you? Yes? Yes? Good? I, I'm like summer forever. Like, I don't want to send my kids back to school and then it's like 10 a.m., and I'm like, I'm ready for my kids to go back to school. And then it's like 3 p.m., I'm like, oh, they can stay. And then, then it's 6 o'clock, and I'm ready again. Um, <laughs> it's been good. Um, we uh, have spent the last week moving, uh, my family and I. Uh, we have been moving, and I don't know what the devil has planned 
um, for people that uh, don't make it. Um, but if I were him, I'd just make people move forever. <laughs> I would imagine that his plan is that you're going to get there and show up and there's going to be a bunch of boxes and they're not going to be made. You're going to have to make them. And none of the sides are all going to fit together. Your tape won't work. Um, you'll have to label things, load it onto a truck. Um, the truck will have problems. It just will. Um, and then uh, you'll get there and then you'll have to unload and unpack the house. And then as soon as you're done, here he comes. It's time to move again. And you're like, oh, this is what my week has been like. It's been a wonderful week. Um, we have moved this week, and it is our busiest time of our business. The summer is our craziest time, and we decided to move in our busiest month, and my wife is 35 weeks pregnant, and, uh, and we decided to do all of this at the same time, um, which was a great idea, sweetheart. I'm very glad we did it. Um, I support everything you want in, in the whole world. It's all yours. And uh, it's, it's busy. We have a baby due in five weeks. We, uh, I, I coach football. We're about to start uh, next week. And, and on top of all that, the, the greatest thing, um, uh, today I have, a, I have a little son named Wallace, and today is his third birthday, my sweet baby boy. Um, he turns three today. My brother also had a, a kid this very day in the same hospital right across the hall. It's my niece Esther's third birthday. It's my sister's birthday um, it's my, uh, my mom's sister, it's her birthday, and I have a niece, um, who lives in Germany, it's also hers, um, so it's a big day, also this is the day my house, my wife's house burned down when she was a kid, so, you know, we're just, we're just celebrating the whole spectrum today, he gives and he takes away, August 4th, it's a big day, so, but I'm very, very excited to spend this day with you. So if I seem tired or uh, stressed, it's because I am. I'm not going to hide it. It's just we're just going to roll with it today, okay? Are you ready to go? Yeah. All right. Can you hang with me? If you're tired, you know, come on. Come talk to me. Let's go. If I can make it through, you can make it through. If I can avoid looking at my phone this time, so can you. Um, let's do this thing. We are in a series um, called Revival Starts From Within, the rhythms and ways of longing for more of God. We've been walking through different um, ideas that we've gone through this series, and uh, we began by talking about the heart and soul of what it means to long for more of God. And here's what I want, I want to make sure we're understanding this as a church. We have a wonderful church. We have a wonderful church. And there's a theme that we talk about this church all the time, okay? Here it is. We want more, right? We talk about this all the time. There are seasons in life. Everything in life is about seasons. And I always believe that whatever season we're walking through is because God has a new season for us to step into. And we can't get there unless we walk through this one. And I want to desire more in every season. Wouldn't you agree? I want more of God. So as we talk about the heart and soul of wanting more, we talked about busyness and how we get in these rhythms. And instead of living in a rhythm of desiring more of God, we live in ruts that our life gets us in. We get caught up in our busyness because I don't have any time at all to give to the Lord, right? We, could, we, we masquerade in this busyness and we live in ruts rather than rhythms. And then Tim spoke about what it means to have, have Sabbath and take solitude and learning how to have a rhythm of rest in your life. And then just last week we talked about what it means to praise, what we just did a moment ago to spend time and praise and have a life of rhythm where it comes to praise. How does revival start, guys? It starts right here. I feel like we're always waiting for God to move in big, giant ways, and all the while he's going, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. Is that one of my favorite verses in all the scriptures? So the eyes of the Lord are roaming the earth, searching to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And I say, man, what a sad verse. Why is God having a look? Like, why? Like, could we just as a church this morning, 
for 30 minutes, say, hey, God, stop looking. Right here on 23rd, we're ready to go. Fill us up. Strengthen our hearts. Because right now, in this moment, our hearts are yours. They're yours. And Tim always does this. He gives me topics that are like, all right, so today we're talking about serving. <laughs> and he's always like, you're going to talk about repentance and serving. So sin and do stuff for me, okay? Here's what Caleb's here for. <sighs> we're talking about serving today. And I want to look at three questions when it comes to serving, okay? I want to look at why do we serve, who do we serve, and where do we serve? And I want to be really clear when I talk about this. Um, this isn't going to be a sermon that attempts to guilt you into serving. And like, I need to guilt you to make you feel bad that you don't do enough, so you sign up and do things for our church. That may happen, but that's not the goal of the sermon. You know what I mean? Like, like the goal isn't to make you be like, oh, I really should do this. Because here's the truth. Can I affirm us as a church right now? Um, this is the size of our church. We have another service, and uh, this is who we are. We have 180 people serving within this church. That's unbelievable. Okay, I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up uh, working in a church. That's an unbelievable number. I don't know what the ratio or the percentage is. I haven't had math in 12 years, and when I did, I took the easy one. Like, I was rounding to tenths in college. It was awesome. <laughs> so I don't know what the percentage was, but that's really high. We do an amazing job. And so I don't want it just to be like, we need to do more. But here's the truth. If we were to write down the who and where that we serve that isn't our family or where we get our paycheck from, if we were to actually physically write down where is it that I'm serving that isn't my family that we're required to or whatever or, our, or where we get our paycheck or wherever, if we were to actually write down the who and the where that we spend our time serving in the week, I bet it would tell a different story to ourselves and the story we tell ourselves about ourselves. I bet it would maybe tell a little bit different story than we think, you know? Because here's the deal. I'm here to affirm you. We are doing an amazing job, church. We are doing, we serve, we, we do an amazing job. But revival starts within. This is about the ways and rhythms of people who desire more. What do we talk about this church all the time? More. I want more of God. We're talking about drilling a well, right? And it's going to take a little bit more. Are you willing to go the extra 200 feet, church? That's what God's looking for. He's looking for people who desire more. More And so we're going to spend time this morning talking about serving. And so a lot of that's going to do. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about this question as I go throughout the rest of the sermon, okay? Because we're going to spend a lot of time talking about why. But I want you to think about this. This is just a thought I want to put there. You can be like, Caleb, I serve. I do this. I do this. Here's what I, here's what I want to say. Could there be a new who in a new where God may be calling you to serve? I'm not saying you're not doing it. Could there be a more? Could there be a new who and a new where that God is calling you to serve? That's the question I want you to be thinking about as we walk through this. So why do we serve? Why do we serve? Um, is it because Caleb says so? Is it because this is the topic that Caleb gave, or Tim gave Caleb to talk about? Um, maybe, but why don't we get some more things to say? Um, I had a, my, in college, I had a professor that we had to uh, participate three times uh, each class, and we had to quote. Everything we had to say had to be a quote. Because if we just threw our opinion out, he was like, well, you're not published. It doesn't matter. So I'd be like, according to such and such study, 1976, blah, 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 blah. He's like, okay, that's worth saying. Um, hated that class. <clears throat> but uh, it helped me as a communicator because uh, I say this all the time when I preach. I can't wait to heaven and get to find out everything I'm wrong about. It's most. Um, I don't have the Bible figured out. And whenever you hear pastors be like, who are so confident, I'm like, ooh. If they couldn't recognize Jesus on the road to Emmaus, 
I don't have Romans figured out. Like, I'm just settled on that. Um, I, I hope I get to do this forever, church. Like, I hope I, I'm going to be in heaven going, how'd you do this? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this? And Jesus is going to be like, nah, go bother, bother Peter. And I'm going to run to Peter and be like, how'd you do this? Why, you cut that guy's ear off? What cuss word did you say when you denied him? Like, like that's going to be me. I, I want to teach forever. Like, like, I want to always be learning. And so for me this morning, everything I say, I want to give you evidence. Like, why do we serve? I want to go to a source. Okay, so let's go to the source. Why do we serve? We know it's a good thing. No one's going to argue about that. But why? Why do we serve? Number one, because Jesus demonstrated it. That's why we serve. Why do we serve? We could just get this out of the way right. This could be a one-point sermon. I could say that we're done, right? Because Jesus demonstrated it. John chapter 13. Are you ready to go? Here we are. John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. So Jesus, who had done all the things he had done up to this point, right? He had walked on water. He had healed lepers. He had, you know, taken care of everyone at the feast. He had done this miracle and this miracle and saved this person and rescued this person and cast out demons here and defended the weak and defended the poor and defended those who couldn't speak out for themselves, healed the blind, healed the sick. He had done all these things. On top of all of that, he had loved the world. But now, at this moment, he was now going to show the full extent of his love. So like all those miracles and all the things we love to talk about, that was like surface level love, Jesus. And now, Jesus, how do I show the full extent of my love? Next verse. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, there's so much we could get into about what this means and the actual position that Jesus was taking in this moment. And the symbolic nature of this is just something that we don't have the time to dive into right now, but it is an incredible thing that Jesus did. But you notice the verse that right before this, Jesus now understood that God has given me all power and I am going back to him in heaven where I will have all power, knowing who he was and that God had granted him all power. Then he decided to serve the disciples. After establishing very clearly, God sent me, he empowered me, I'm here to do his work, I'm going home to sit in my throne, do this, do this, now I'm going to serve people. I'm going to serve my disciples. And he begins washing their feet. And then Peter does the Peter thing, right? You know, don't just wash my feet. Pour it over my head. And Jesus is like, chill, bro. <clears throat> I'm trying to do something. I got to teach OKC Community Church in 2019. Just relax. Verse 12. Skip ahead to verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his, uh, his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked. Jesus, it's one amazing way to ask a question like he's just asking us. Like, hey, church, do you get what he just did? Like, do you have any idea the magnitude of what Jesus just did? Verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Verse 14, now that I, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set to you an example that you should do as I have done for you. 
I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Church, why do we serve? Because Jesus demonstrated it. That's why. You've called me Lord and teacher. You know the things that I've done. There is never, ever, ever going to be a point in your life where you're above serving someone else. Ever. There is nothing that you have done, will experience, a point you get to that will put you above serving as Christ called you to serve. Ever. Church, we serve. We serve, we serve, we serve until he calls us home. We serve. We serve. Why? Because you will be blessed if you do these things. That's why we serve. Now that you know this, like, like you know this, like, you know, uh, any of you have children out there who are like, well, now that you know the rule, if you break the rule, now we're in trouble. That's my kids all the time. Oh, I, I totally forgot, you know? And I'm like, no. Church, we don't forget that God called us to serve. We don't forget that the one who was from the Father, that had all power from the Father, that was going home to the Father, got up from the table and washed their feet. Church, we serve because he demonstrated it. Why do we serve? Because Jesus demonstrates it. And shouldn't that be enough? But no, I have to go further because my professor would want me to. It wasn't a Bible college. I was just at UCO. Um, go Broncos. We serve because Jesus demonstrated it. And we serve because the Bible commands it. That's why we serve. First Peter 4.10. Why don't you put that bad boy up on the screen, Maddie? Thank you, my man. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to what? Oh, that wasn't very good, church. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to what? Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I could stop there, right? Whatever gift you've used, how do you do it? Well, we love this, right? Everyone's an Enneagram, bliss, some of this, some of this. I'm a two, in case you're wondering, wing eight. Um, you know, everyone wants to know how they're wired, what they do, what, how did God make me, what's the, what am I created for? All of that information is only useful for you, church, if you're using it to serve others. That's why you learn it. That's why you study it. God created you specifically and designed you to do things that only you can do. I can't do the things God created you to do. Can't do them. I need you to do them. I need you to do them to serve others. In fact, I could give you this verse. That's enough, right? But there are 59 times in the New Testament we are commanded to serve one another. They're called the 59 one another's in the New Testament. 59 times we're told to do something for one another, for each other. I'm going to give them to you. Hope you can write fast. 59 one another is in the New Testament. If you don't believe me that this is a big deal, why do we serve? Why do we serve? Because the Bible commands us to over and over and over and over. Be at peace with each other. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Romans 12 has got a bunch of them. Honor one another above yourselves. You're wondering, well, how do I serve? What am I supposed to do? I'm giving you a list. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. Stop passing judgment on one another, even people you don't agree with. What about that, church? Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you, instruct one another. Greet one another like we do with the doors that we need to help us with. When you come together to eat, wait for each other. Preach. 
Have equal concern for one another. Greet one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by one another. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Don't envy each other. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider one another better than yourself. Don't lie to one another. Bear with one another. Forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Make your love increase for each other. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Don't slander one another. Don't grumble against one another. Confess, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. Love one another deeply from the heart, First Peter says. Live in harmony. Love each other. Offer hospitality to one another. Each one of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve one another. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. Over. Do you get it? It's a big deal. Why do we serve? Because we're commanded to over and over and over in the New Testament. Tim and I were talking this week about the idea of spirit versus commitment when it comes to serving. Like we receive the spirit of serving just fine. Like I don't think there's many of you out there uh, looking at me right now thinking, I disagree. <laughs> I think this is, I think it's all wrong. I, don't, I actually don't think we're supposed to do anything for one another. I don't think that's true. I think most of us would agree that we receive the spirit of serving, but we resist the commitment of serving when it requires something of us. That's what happens. I heard somebody much smarter than me say this one time, that we judge other people on their actions and we judge ourselves on our intentions. Like we look at other people and we're like, oh, look what they did. But here's what I, you know, I intend to do this, so I'm actually okay. Because I've received the spirit of serving. I think it's right to serve. But when it actually is going to require a commitment of us, we often resist that commitment. Why are these 59 commands important? Let me tell you why. If we don't do these things for one another, when we tell the world around us what God has to offer them and what the church, the God's people, are offering to them, if we don't do those things for one another, when we tell the world that, They'll never believe us. They'll never believe you. You know what I hear all the time? The church is a hospital for the sick. It's supposed to take care. We're going to take care of you. We're going to walk beside you. We're going to care for your needs. We're going to meet you where you are. And they look at us and go, you're not even doing that for yourself. You guys are doing that for each other. Like I, it's this thing that's been going on in churches forever. People from churches love to go to other countries and hold babies in orphanages. Yet you won't hold, we're begging for people to hold the babies of the single mom that are sitting in this room. Why? Why are we having to beg people in the church to serve those sitting next to you? If we tell the world, come here and offer them, you got the people that are having such a rough week. People come to the church often when they're in crisis. If they come to the church in crisis and they bring their kids to a kid area and we don't have enough people to serve and we're constantly, what is that impression that they leave? We want to serve the people in this room. If we can't serve one another, when we tell them what we offer, what we will do for them, they're never going to believe us. We got to serve one another, church. We've got to not only receive the spirit of serving, 
We've got to commit even when it requires of us. Why? Because Jesus knew exactly who he was and he still got up from the table. And 59 times we're told over and over and over in scripture, where does the message, where does the mission of God begin? Right here with you and me, church. That's where it begins. Why do we serve? Because Jesus demonstrated it. Because the Bible commands that we do. And lastly, because we know what's possible when we do it. We know what's possible when we do it. There's a book in the Bible that I haven't been able to leave alone in about eight years. Um, I just keep coming back to it, and it keeps showing me things over and over and over. And uh, I've become obsessed. Like It started when I was like, why is this book in the Bible? I couldn't figure it out. It's the book of Ruth. And I was like, why is there just a, a random love story in the Bible? I'm a dude. I don't like love stories. That's a lie. Totally love me a good rom-com. All about it. <laughs> totally. Like, not even kidding. Those Netflix ones they're putting out, bring them to me. Love them. My wife just watches forensic files before bed, and I'm always dreaming about murder and scary stuff. And I'm like, just give me a rom-com. I want them to share pizza. And, no, they're not going to get together. But we know they are. <laughs> Love Hallmark. Why was this book in the Bible? I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. So I dove into it about eight years ago. And I'm not done yet. God just keeps showing me and showing me and showing me and showing me more things. Here's the truth. Um, Abraham and Lot, right? God's people are together and God brings these, gives the whole story. And Abraham and Lot have their differences, right? And they split and they go separate ways. And so if you're looking at the Bible from 30,000 feet, God's plan was broken again when Abraham and Lot, God's people, were separated from one another. They went their separate ways. It lasted to like 15 chapters in Genesis. And then they were split apart again. God's people were separated. It was broken. That's a 30,000 feet view. We have the story of Ruth come along. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read you a passage through Ruth. And I'm going to invite you to do something, as I often do. Don't check out when it comes to Scripture. In fact, you can ignore everything that Caleb has to say. But if you're going to listen to anything, listen to the Bible. And let this story come alive. A story that I wondered, why is this in here? Why is this in here? What, what is, tell me the knowledge of this. Friends, again, maybe there's a new who and a new where that God's calling you to as we search for more. Right? Why do we serve? Because Jesus demonstrated it. Because the Bible commands it. I'm going to read you this passage of Ruth. It's going to be on the screen. I would love for you to follow along with me. Verse 3. Ruth, chapter 1. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women. One named Orpah and the other Ruth. And after they had lived about ten years, both Mah uh, Mahlon sure, and Kilian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of people by providing food for them. Again, there's so much we could do here. Uh, keep going, Caleb. Um, Naomi and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. Verse 7. With her two daughter-in-laws, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you. This is important. Go back, each of you, to your, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. 
Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. They're, she's sending them away, and, and they're like, no, we'll stay with you, Naomi. We'll stay with you. And she, and she, and she kissed them. They wept, we'll go with you. Verse 11, but Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return, to, return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. It's really fun to be around someone who's, a big, who's, who's really bitter, right? It's a lot of fun. We like that. The person who's just the ultimate victim, that everything that's gone wrong, it's always me. It's always me. And you just love being around those people, right? No, we're like, and then they give you an out, and you're like, I'm taking it. See ya. It's just bitter. Everything's bad for me. You're right. I'm out of here. Like, spiritual gifts test. I score a zero in mercy. Um, verse 15. Or verse 14. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. This verse is underlined, starred, highlighted in my Bible. I'll tell you why in a minute. But Ruth replied, Don't, or look, and said, Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Naomi says this, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. She had been released, right? We talk about spirit versus commitment. The commitment that Ruth had to Naomi, gone. Husband's gone. She's telling her to go away, go away, go away, go away. No more commitment. But Ruth has said, this is who God's brought into my life. I'm going to serve you. She's received the spirit of serving. She's going to serve you. Three verses left. Are you ready? You still with me? You bored? Hang in. Two, verse one. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing, standing, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. Knowing Naomi was older and wasn't capable of working herself, she was going to serve Naomi. Let me go, now that I've stayed with you, I'm going to go serve and work for you. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. No point in arguing with you, stubborn girl. Verse 3, so she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. What a verse. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. As it turned out, this one act 
changed why you and I are sitting in this room. The reason you and I are in this room, as it turns out, is because Ruth served Naomi. Let's go back to 30,000 feet. God's people went their separate ways. And it was not right until Ruth, from the clan over here, and Naomi's son from the clan over here were married and brought back together. The story of Ruth from 30,000 feet is a story of God's people reuniting and all things being as they were supposed to be. Ruth, as it turns out, worked in the field of a man named Boaz. And the story's incredible. Dive into it this week. And Boaz and Ruth fell in love. Oh, and they were married. And Naomi wasn't as bitter. She's still a little iffy. They got married, and uh, Boaz and Ruth had a son, and his name was Obed, and Obed grew up, and Obed got married, and he had a son, and Obed's son was named Jesse, and Jesse grew up and had some sons, and one of Jesse's sons' name was David, David, who would be a shepherd, who would slay a giant, who would be anointed with oil, who would be a military leader and become a king and a man after God's own heart. And from the line of David would be a woman named Mary who bore a son named Jesus who would save the world. Those of us who are in this room that have said yes to Jesus, it's because Ruth served Naomi. Why do we serve Friends, how do we create generations of people that serve Christ? We serve. That's how. Do you want to start revival? How do we create generations of people that serve Christ? Serve. That's how. Your family, you want to create a legacy in your family of generations of your kids and your kids' kids who serve Christ. How do you do it? You serve because you believe what's possible when we do it. Jesus, who came to save the world, we are the legacy of Ruth holding on to Naomi and serving in the fields. That's the legacy. Everyone in here that said yes to Jesus, you get 30, the Bible at 30,000 feet is really cool too. Because Jesus came because we had turned away and God was, Jesus' whole plan, God would send Jesus that he would reunite his people and bring them together just as he did with Ruth. I love that book. I, uh, as a little kid, my dad, I didn't understand why he did this, but he made me do this every week at our church. Um, we had an old baptistry at the top here. It was like up here. You have to walk up these stairs on the sides and they would fill it up the night before. And uh, in the morning there would be crickets in it because that's what happens in Oklahoma and buildings. Um, there'd be crickets in the water. So as a five-year-old, uh, my dad started taking me with him to church in the mornings, and my job was to scoop the crickets out of the baptistry when there would be baptisms on Sundays. And so I would get there early, and I'd have my big net, and I'd scoop them out. And I thought, I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm a, I'm a boy. I like stepping on bugs. And so I'd scoop out crickets, and then at the end of the service, when we would have baptisms, and some of you, uh, uh, the Warners, you know this, and Cospers, you know this, we, we would at the end of the service, I would go up and I would held a towel for the people who would come out of the baptistry and I'd hand it to them and then I would clean the floor so people didn't wipe out going in 
And sometimes I wasn't quick enough, and they wiped out going in. But we can dunk people twice. That's okay. And I, didn't, and I did this from when I was five years old until we uh, built a new church. And then we didn't have a baptistry anymore. And so I did it from when I was five until I was 18. Every week, into the service, guy would start to pray. I would get up and go outside. Every time we had hand towels. And I didn't get it until this summer when I was at a VBS at my dad's church and they ended their VBS by spraying silly st- string all over like the kids and stuff like that. And I'll turn around and all the kids are loving it. And I'm in the back having a full on heart attack, like not the room, don't mess up the room. Oh my gosh, it's gonna get the carpets on the walls. And I'm just like panicked and I'm like, oh. And uh, all the kids start to leave and it's in the carpet and I just start picking it up as fast as I can. I'm like, no, 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 no. Picking it up and cleaning. And, my daughter comes alongside of me, and she's six, and uh, Rosalind, she's like, she's like, Dad, let's go. It's time to go. And I was like, no, we got to clean up. Here, clean up with me. And we start picking everything up, and, and it's taking a while. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. There's some people helping. I'm getting brooms and mops and vacuums, and, and she looks at me about halfway through our time, like 20 minutes in. She's like, Dad, why are we cleaning? We didn't even go here. This isn't our church. And I'm picking up Silly String next to my dad and now my daughter. And I look at her and I say what my dad would say to me every time I didn't want to go early in the morning. He would say, is there anything better that we could spend our time doing than serving God? I looked at Rosalind and I said, Rosie, because it is our joy to serve the house of God. It is our joy. Is there anything better that we could do than serve God's house. She smiled and we stayed. And it took about an hour and we picked it all up. And she swept beside me and she mopped beside me and it was clean. I've had one prayer for my children since they've been born. I have lots of hopes. I, God, I, I pray that they would be safe. I pray that they would be healthy. I pray that they would have godly friends. I pray that they would have positive influences. I have a, but I've had one prayer for my children is they would belong to and they would be equipped to advance the kingdom of God. That's it. I could stand before God saying, my job is done as long as my children belong to and are equipped to advance your kingdom. That's all that matters when I stand before God. Because serving is about one thing, pointing people to Jesus. That's what it's to do. Because we believe what's possible when we do it. Because Ruth served, You and I are in this room. Friends, that should shake you. That should make you think about maybe there's a new who and a new where that God's calling me to. Maybe there's a more. And it may not hit right now, but if we want to create generations of people that serve Christ, we got to serve. That's how it happens. I remember hearing a story of uh, Billy Graham told about going and visiting Mother Teresa. And he had to go through all like these back roads and things like this and went past the, the leper colonies and the orphanages to get where she was. And he said, I knew when I was in her presence, I was in the presence of a holy person. And what do we know about Mother Teresa? She, maybe the greatest servant that's ever served on earth, maybe. Mother Teresa has a quote. She says this, If I should ever become a saint, I think I will be a saint of darkness. 
For I don't believe I would be found in heaven. I think I would be found outside lighting the way. Mother Teresa, the servants, servants, said, I think I would rather be found outside lighting the way. Do you realize that every act that we do in service to one another is to point people toward the redemption, saving, mercy, and grace of the cross of Jesus Christ? That's what we're pointing people to. So when I ask you, is there a new who and a new where that you could be serving? Do you realize what's at stake when we say no? Do you realize what's possible if you were to say yes? If you didn't just resist commitment and requirement and you stepped into the spirit of serving and saying, I know that you demonstrated it and you've commanded it and I believe what's possible through it. Here I am, Lord, send me. Wherever you go, I will go. Friends, that's why we serve. I ask you to bow your heads just a moment. I don't know what the new who and the new where is for you. I don't have one for you. But here's what I know. Revival starts within. How do we create generations of people that serve Christ? We serve. How do we create legacies of our family that serve and follow Jesus? We serve and follow Jesus. That's how we do it. I'm gonna invite you to begin to pray. Say, God, is there a new who and a new where that you could be inviting me to serve? Maybe, it's, maybe it is this church. Maybe it's the one and others that's sitting in this room. Maybe you're not okay with anyone feeling like, well, I don't know if they have enough here. We should have overflowing teams. We should have overflowing greeters. We should have overflowing everything. Maybe it is this church. And you say, Caleb, I want to serve one another. That's a great step. You know, maybe it's your neighborhood. Maybe it's being the best neighbor your neighbors ever had, asking them what's going on, asking what they can do for you. Maybe that's the new who. Maybe it's your coworkers. I don't know. Maybe God's calling you to serve them in a bigger capacity than in what's required of you. He's calling you to more. Maybe it's an organization in this city, things that we're, we have so many organizations that we partner with that we would love to get you connected to. God could be calling you to a new who and a new where. Maybe you're sitting in this room and the new who and the new where that you want to serve, the new who is Jesus and the where is his kingdom. Maybe you've never actually said yes to Jesus and you're ready to be part of what his, he's doing in his mission. God's calling you to that. So I'm going to ask you to spend some time saying, Lord, Give me a new who and a new where. I'm gonna encourage you to, to ask that God would begin putting a face or a place in your mind right now and that we would be people that not only just belong to, but we are equipped to advance the kingdom of God by serving one another, serving the community around us, serving as Christ demonstrated as the Bible commanded and serving because we know what's possible when we do it. Lord Jesus, I just pray for everyone in this room that you would stir our hearts now, that we wouldn't just receive the spirit of serving like it's a good thing, Lord, but we would actually not resist the commitment and requirement of it, that you would put a new who and a new where in our minds and that we wouldn't resist it. We wouldn't end with a yes, Lord, we think this is good, but we would actually step in to what you're calling us to. That we would step into a new place, step into a new relationship, step into a new family, step into a new life, step into whatever you're calling us to, Jesus. Because we believe it's possible through it. We believe that we could advance the kingdom 
by serving one another. May you lay in our hearts places, people, lives, eternities that need God's people to be active and not just to receive a spirit. Jesus, I pray that you move that in us and that we walk out of this room a little bit differently than the way we walked in. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.